Welcome to Rex's Bible Minute, a weekly video where I talk about Jesus, Christianity, and anything along those lines. Welcome to the last week of Ephesians. If you've been following along with us this whole time, congratulations, you've made it. Week 15. That's pretty cool. Um, we've officially studied through an entire book of the New Testament. Granted, it's not one of the longest ones, but it's still verse by verse we looked at everything. And I still feel like there's so much more we could have looked at, but... You know, for a little 30-minute to an hour-long sessions each, you know, I feel like if you went through this, you probably have a pretty good grasp on what Paul was talking about in the letter we call Ephesians. So, all that being said, uh, come back next week to see what we're going to be studying. I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, you'll have to wait until then to see what we're going to talk about, but um, I think you're going to like it if you enjoyed this at all. So, that being said, chapter 6, verses 18 through 24. Let's, let's finish off this letter. It says this, Pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me, and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So that you may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with you, with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ, with love incorruptible. So, Let's just kind of make sure we still have the same mindset as we do last week, because this is, you know, th this is a letter. Really, you should sit down and read it all at once in one one go. Um, but you know, to study it verse by verse, you, you can't really do that. But remember that this is this is right after what we talked about last week. And just to to get you there, remember that you're in a fight, right? Paul was just talking about how we are in a fight. That the world has been in a state of war since the Garden of Eden. That since that moment, there's been nothing but division amongst all of creation, every aspect of it. But then the war was finally won with Jesus' death and resurrection. That when Jesus came out of that grave, the war was over. Now it's not completely over in the sense of there's still a fight going on. But the victory's already been won. What Jesus did finally defeated the enemy once and for good. But between the resurrection and judgment day, there's still a fight going on. And you and I are in the middle of it. And just remember that the theme of this letter that Paul has been talking about is how Jesus goes about creating unity when the entire tactic of the enemy is to create division, is to divide things, divide people from people, divide people from within themselves, you know, that war that rages within each and every one of us to do good or bad, um, you know, to divide everything, man from God, man from nature. It's just that's the enemy's tactic. Anytime you see division, that is a direct result of something that the enemy has done. And so the theme of this letter is Jesus is bringing unity back to the universe. And then the last half of this letter is the church is Jesus' tool for bringing about that unity. And so that places us, the church, right in the middle of the fight. Like we're in the middle of the battle. And so that's what Paul was talking about last week was that you're in a fight. You better have your armor on, right? Don't be walking around the battlefield naked. Like have the armor on. Have the weapon on. 
be ready to go. And that's where Paul, that's where we stopped last week was Paul was talking about that. And I, I do want to point out that Paul, we know in this section he's still continuing that because he calls himself an ambassador. He's talking in terms of governments and warfare. And so he says he is an ambassador in chains. He is he's an ambassador for Jesus, supposed to be, you know, part of Jesus's tool for creating unity, for winning this fight, for winning this war, but he is in prison. Which is just another way of showing that, yes, we really are in a war because ambassadors are only in prison for two reasons. One, they committed a crime and their immunity got stripped from them. Or two, war was declared. And so Paul is this ambassador for Jesus in chains because we're in a fight. And so he continues on with that train of thinking, that perspective as we read today's section. And so we're going to look at the first section. It's 18 through 20, just two verses. It says, Pray on every occasion in the Spirit with every type of prayer and intercession. You'll need to keep awake and alert for this with all perseverance and intercession for all God's holy ones. And also for me. Please pray that God will give me His words to speak when I open my mouth, that I can make known loud and clear the secret truth of the gospel, that after all is why I'm chained up as an ambassador. Pray that I may announce it boldly. That's what I'm duty-bound to do. Now, Paul, remembering that whole mindset thing, that whole perspective that we're talking in terms of military and fighting, what does Paul urge his readers to do? He urges them to pray. Now, you would think that with Paul just talking about different pieces of armor and the weapons that we can use in our fight— Prayer would be one of those, right? Like prayer would be, you know, the gauntlets of prayer or the fisticuffs of prayer or, you know, the shoestrings of prayer, like whatever. He would pick something, but he doesn't. And I think there's a purpose to that because I don't think prayer is a piece of kit. I don't think it's a piece of armor. I don't think it's a weapon. I think it's the tactic. It's the how you fight this fight right? It's it's how you, you go about fighting this battle. It doesn't matter if there is the best equipped soldier in the world who has the best training and everything else and has the best everything. If they aren't used properly, if they don't know how to fight properly within a battle plan, they're useless. It doesn't matter. One soldier doesn't win a war, but a bunch of soldiers fighting the right way according to the battle plan, that's how you win a war. And so what Paul is saying is prayer is our tactic. It's how we fight. It's how we go about fighting an enemy. And prayer, it makes perfect sense for this because the armor, everything about it, none of it was our own strength. The helmet of salvation that was given to us, the breastplate of righteousness, our right standing with God that was given to us, the sword of, of God's word, that's God's words, not our own. Prayer isn't about what we do. Prayer is about God and about what He does. And so it's, it's, it makes perfect sense that this is how we fight. This is how we use those pieces of armor and that weapon. We pray. We get God involved. And so how are we supposed to pray? Well, Paul really boils it down to three things. And again, these, this isn't an exhaustive list. You can study your entire life and you should study your whole life about how to pray. But this is kind of like a three quick snippets of like the basics of prayers, what Paul gives. Uh, first, he says we're supposed to pray constantly, always. Prayer is supposed to be a constant thing in our lives. He says prayer without ceasing in another one of his letters. What does that mean? We're just supposed to constantly pray and do nothing else? In a sense, yeah. 
If you think about what prayer is, prayer is aligning your mind and your heart with God's. It's not about getting from God. It's not about, you know, saying the right thing and God gives you what you want. Like, no, it's about aligning your heart and mind with God's will. It's about asking him to get involved in the things of this world. That's what prayer is. And so we're supposed to constantly be doing that. So constantly pray, not that you have to stop, but just keep that conversation with God going in your head as you experience your life, as you go about your daily business, as you put your kids to bed, as you pack meals in the morning, if that's your thing, if you go to work, if you you know go to school, if you, whatever you do, as you cook, as you take the trash out, as you do dishes, whatever it is you do, keep that conversation with God going. Pray constantly. Speak to him about what you encounter, about what you're doing, but speak to him mostly of all just speak to him that's what matters here the second thing he says is to pray alertly and perseveringly right so this is one that for me it's like i need reminded of this big time because my my personality type does not does not bode well to just praying constantly my my personality type is i'll have deep intimate prayers with god when I feel like it, like that's my natural state. And I feel like that's a lot of people's natural way of, of prayer is if you feel like praying, if you're really connected with God, yeah, you're going to pray. But if not, you might go a while without praying and you hate to admit it, but it happens. But Paul says, no, you have to pray alertly. So like if it's, if your prayer life is just like right before bed, you remember to pray, and that's your only prayer life or just right when you wake up and you quickly do like your daily Bible app thing. Like that's it. Like that's that's not really what he's talking about here. God wants your attention. He wants you to focus. He wants you to pray perseveringly that it's it, it's constant. You know, this is one of the things that you, you have to be intentional about. Discipleship is not an accidental thing. Just because you've, you've hit the salvation stage, discipleship doesn't accidentally happen. It doesn't just happen. It happens intentionally. It takes work. To be a Christian is a lot of work, and prayer is a part of that, that you have to be intentional about your prayer life, about making it happen, about creating time for it. So create a plan if you have to for your prayer. Some people don't need that. They can just, they naturally just will constantly pray. That's great. That's not me. I have to be intentional. I have to set alarms on my phone to remember, okay, it's time to pray. It's time to make sure that I'm still focused on God. I've got the conversation going with him. That, that A lot of people like that. And if you're like that, there's nothing wrong with that. That doesn't make you any less spiritual. But you have to do that. You have to do something. You have to be intentional about your prayer life. The last thing he says is we have to pray outwardly. That means it's, it's not just God give me, God fix me, God help me, God for me, 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 me. Like Paul says, pray for, pray for him, pray for his, his ability, pray for our leaders, pray for our Christian leaders, pray for the Christians who have loud voices right now, pray for other people who are suffering, there are more Christians suffering right now than there ever have been in history, pray for those who are in need, who are, who are lost, pray for everybody, just pray for others, don't just be focused on yourself, and that doesn't mean you don't pray for yourself, God absolutely wants you to, to lift up the things in your life to him that are hard or you're facing that are difficult. But prayer should also at least be a 50-50 split of praying for others beyond herself because that's the example Jesus set. Jesus talked to God about the things he faced, but he also talked to God about his disciples and about the people he was going to affect and the people that would come after him. Jesus prayed for others. We should do the same. All right? The last thing I want to talk about with prayer, though, is, is just that it works. 
And it's easy to think that prayer is just something that we say to make ourselves feel good or, you know, check a religious box like, yep, pray today, good to go. And without paying attention, it can really seem like that's all there is to it. N.T. Wright in his commentary on this section uh, tells the story of a bishop who was asked if he thought prayer works. And the bishop said, well, here's what I know. He says, when I pray, I see a lot of coincidences happen. And when I stop praying, I don't see so many coincidences. You know, you can think about it in terms of uh, a, a golfer. You know, a golfer was asked, you know, you know, why are you so lucky? Why, you know, you, you hit these amazing shots and they just, they seem to go in at just sheer luck. And the golfer said, I, I guess I am pretty lucky, you know, but I, I do know that the more I practice, the luckier I get. Prayer works. When you pray, God gets involved. And it's not that God's withholding his involvement. It's that God wants you to align your will with his. He wants to draw his people close to him. Everything God does comes back to those three big things we talk about all the time. God is creating a place for his people to be in his presence. And he's trying to create his people, right? So his people are Christians. His presence is his presence, like face to face. That's the way uh, the afterlife's going to be um, after judgment day. And the place is going to be everything. And so God is trying to draw people to him. And he does that. And he wants that through prayer. That being said, let's get to the very last section of this letter. Woohoo, we made it. Um, Ephesians 6, 21 through 24, it says this. It says, so that you may know, this is why he, Paul just said all that section is in. He said, so that you may also know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith and from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Now, this is where he mentions Tychicus. This is one of the big clues about when and where and how this letter was written um, because we know uh, in Colossians, the letter that went out the door with this one, he says almost the exact same thing. Colossians 4, 7 through 8 says, Tychicus will tell you about all my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. So why mention this? You know, is this just like Paul wrapping up the letter and just, you know, kind of doing some business? I don't think so. Um, remember, this letter was written as a circular, so it's, it's designed to last a long time more than just Paul's current state of affairs. So I think that's why Paul didn't include any details really about how he's doing and, you know, what he's facing. He includes Tychicus as the human version of that part of the letter. It's his job to deliver it. But in doing so, Paul is calling back to what he said in chapter 3, where he says that, that my suffering is because I get the glory and honor of bringing the, the gospel to the Gentile people, to the non-Jewish people who didn't have it. I get to be the one to do that. And so when I suffer, it's for their glory. It's for your glory. And so be honored by my suffering. Don't be dismayed by it. You, you, you take part in it. Your suf my suffering is for your glory because you ultimately will get to be together on the other side of this life for eternity. That's why he mentioned this. That's why he mentions Tychicus. He's calling back to Rome, to Ephesians 3, 1 through 13. And then he ends with a prayer for unity and peace. You know, if you think about what peace is, it's really just, it's the result of unity. And so unity being the theme of this whole letter, you know, it makes sense that he would pray that the readers would have peace that results from unity. 
And he ends the very last sentence by, by asking that, that they be covered in grace. And unity only happens with the grace of Jesus. So I hope that this, this section, this letter, uh, this, this entire study has been uplifting and encouraging to you. And I'm really, really excited that we've made it all the way through it. Give yourself a pat on the back if you, you, you went all the way through it with us. Um, but hopefully uh, you'll come back and join us next week as we start a new study. So until then. <laughs>